Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I interview actor, comedian, writer, director, and filmmaker Casey Fay. We discuss how confidence relates to your essence, discovering and revisiting your priorities, the benefit of sitting with yourself, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Casey Fay. <laughs> Hi, Casey. Hello, Rebecca. Nice to be on my favorite podcast. <laughs> Your favorite podcast? Yeah, listen to every week. That's I've nice learned, of you to I've say. learned a lot. That's nice of you to say. Do you need water? Oh, you brought water. I brought my own water, yes. From downstairs. From downstairs. <laughs> From the kitchen. Um, great. Well, then you're familiar with the format. I am, yes. Uh, but now I'm panicking that I'm like, oh, I should have answers prepared and I don't. So You don't even know the questions because I've changed them a lot. Oh, well, oh, really? Since I've heard? Oh, maybe not since you've heard. Yeah. Since we did our practice one. We did it. Casey was my first interview, but it was more of a practice interview. No one's ever heard it. No one will ever no, hear it. This will be the real deal. Yeah, you had a you had a really good idea for a podcast, and I guess I don't know if I wouldn't say you kept putting it off, but it wasn't a priority. And then you're like, let me try this. And then I was like, I'll be your guinea pig. You never have to use it and try it, and it went great. And you're like, oh, this is great. This is something I want to do. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been I've learned a lot through through interviewing other people. I've learned a lot about myself. Not just like, like tips and tricks from other people, but okay. like when you want. I hope that that fucking saw. <laughs> they probably won't even hear it. Every time you're on podcasts, people talk about like you never hear outside the thing. noise. They're like, oh, sorry about my lawnmower guy or my, you know, sorry yeah. about. And then I'm listening. I'm like, I don't know I don't what they're talking hear it. about. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm but, gonna do the thing. I'm sorry about the saw <laughs> in the background. In the background. Um. But um. Yeah, I don't mean, like, just, like, tips and tricks. I mean, like, when you think of something you want to do and you don't know how to do it, I feel like that can be very jarring and can sometimes just, like, stop people in their tracks, you know? Because, like, you're, like, I don't know how to record, use recording equipment. I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to promote. I don't know how to use Photoshop to, like, alter promotional images. I don't know how to do any of that. But I was, like... I guess I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, on all those things and more. So, like, even though it, I, ha I mean, I've learned a lot about confidence. I've also learned about a lot of other things just through the process of making art, I think, is sort of, you know, the nature of it. Um, yeah, I think that's a big thing for me, especially us trying to be artists and create art. I think, like, making stuff is so key. Oh, yeah. It's like, not only, again, learning about just gaining skills that will then help you hopefully get money um, at those skills that you've now picked up, but also just like making stuff. I feel like you learn so much about yourself and especially me. Sometimes I'll be like in my head about, oh, not getting asked to do things or mm. not being booked or whatever. Then I make something. I'm like, oh, no, there's like hundreds of people I still love who I've never been able to ask to be in anything I've ever made, you know, like just stuff yeah. like that. Um, what is – so, you know – a lot's been going on the past two weeks. Um, I lost a friend of mine in a motorcycle accident, a very sudden young death, which has been a lot. And I haven't been 
recording or putting up episodes. It just, you know, hasn't been, I mean, hasn't been something that has been a priority to me. Um, so getting back into this, we'll, we'll see if we talk about confidence or what road we veer into. Um, but I, I want to let you know I'm open to other topics of discussion. Great. Uh, but let's start with confidence since that is... I was about to make a joke and then I held back because... What was it? Was, was gonna, it good? Prob- well, I was just going to... When you said you're open to other discussions, I was going to be like, good, because the Timberwolves lineup has oh, changed yeah. a lot since last year. So a bad but, joke. Then I was like, am I just... Yeah, am I... Uh, Avoiding? Was she, was she opening up? Yep. And I was um, shutting it down through yeah. humor. Yes. And so then I stopped, but then I said, I'll, I'll mention it to you since I had the thought. Yeah. I, I mean, some would say, yeah, you were shutting it down. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. Um, but let's start with confidence, and that'll be like our cornerstone, and then we can weave in and out Great. as we see fit. Um, what is confidence to you? What does that word mean? Because it's so... I thought I knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. And it means different things to different people, and it... it it uh, takes physical form in different ways mm-hmm. that I didn't think, that I didn't necessarily associate confidence with. Yeah. To me, I think it's like a um, not second guessing, not um, like worrying about what others think or feel and just like... Um... Wait, hold on. I need to get my notepad out. Okay. Okay. Continue. And just being like, being the closest to your essence or your, your actual Ooh. self, you know? Because um, like when I think of a confident person, it's someone who's just like, <laughs> I mean, the actual image I'm thinking of Sharon is like someone walking down the street really cool in like a, a weird hat and like a stylish outfit that I would never wear, but <laughs> they don't care about any of that. They're just like walking down the street really cool because that's how they want to look and that's how they... They want to wear that hat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so confidence is, like, just being who you are. Yeah. I mean, I guess lack of a better term, trusting your gut, like, following mm. your gut kind of thing. Yeah. But then you have to, like, know who you are first. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think most people, like, I, you know, as I said, I am a frequent listener of the podcast. <laughs> uh, so I know, like, most people's um, often least confident time is, like, middle school. And I think that's often the time where I think people are also trying to figure out their their inner gut, like trying to figure out what mm. clothes they wear, what they like, what style their thing is, you yeah. know, I think that all kind of connects to me. Of like, you don't really know who you are yet, so how can you be your true self yeah. um, if you're still trying to figure out who you are? Yeah. I always ask, were you a confident kid? But I, I, I know, I think you were. Yeah. From what I know about you. I was a confident kid, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I was, you know, I th- kindergarten, first grade, second grade-ish around there, like, I was the tallest kid in my class. Mm. Um, I remember I played soccer, and the jerseys would go from 1 to 18 in there in size order, and I'd always be 18. So I was, like, the tallest kid for a little while, and I think, like, that instills confidence in you because I think there is some truth to, like, parents and adults and even other kids sometimes, like, look up to you in a a little bit, you know? Um, And so I think that, especially males, I should say, and white males because... I know growing up there's also um, some some of my friends who are like black kids who are tall and stuff were looked at as like a threat by mm. some of the teachers. Oh, wow. Whereas, that's, yeah, that's big. Because I think like 
some of them, I was like, man, they had the same amount of energy and were um, leaders and confidence and as I did, but I was growing up in a very predominantly white community in Minnesota was like looked at as like a leader and they were looked at as like troublemakers. Wow. Um, through, you know, junior high or ish and up through. And that's like very formative. Formative. Yeah. I can't, my brain is not working. Absolutely. And I didn't really, I mean, I didn't see it then only, you know, looking back on it more recently have I been like, Oh yeah, those like, those, my, my friends were like, they would, they would like freak out and be like, they'd get so mad about like these teachers getting them in trouble and they would like call them racist and all this stuff. And I was like, I, man, like my friends all have anger issues. And I was like, in retrospect, it's like, no, I think they were just like, like me. And they kept getting yeah. you know, mistreated for, and by like these older white people who were afraid of them or who were racist or maybe hated them or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I had the, I had a lot of advantages. I was the youngest of, of three in my family. And, um, my brother and sister were both very nice to me. Um, I was a tall kid. I was a white kid. I was, you know, uh, upper middle class, like, um, or probably middle class. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, but so, yeah, I I was, I was confident because I, I think I checked a lot of those boxes that like society gave me confidence. Yeah. So it was like, you were getting a lot of like external confidence. Yeah. Um, it sounds like also in their responsibility was, is maybe something that was given to you or like you were treated, you said you were treated more like an adult and given extra responsibility and people looked up, looked up to you. So it seems like, I don't know, I guess, did you have extra responsibilities because you were tall? Um, yeah, I mean. Like, were they like Casey's a lion leader or like. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to remember if it. If I got that stuff in first or second grade more than anyone else. Uh, and that I don't know. But I do know that, like, um, family-wise, like, because um, my family was all pretty close and, like, um, I was the youngest. But at that point, my brother and sister were, like, you know, three and five years older than me. So um, when it was like, oh, by the time I stopped having a babysitter, I was, you know, much younger than the age at which my brother and sister stopped having babysitters because I was with my brother and Mm, sister, you know, or by the time I was left alone, it was fine because my brother and sister were there as well, but it was also kind of like, it did feel like I was being rewarded for, you know, being a a good boy or being, Mm. you know, uh, because it was like, oh, wow, yeah, Casey's only six, but, you know, he can stay home um, Mm. by himself when Allison and Ryan are there, like, you know, because they were a little older, so they were at an age that they could handle it, um, and I think in school, I know, I definitely, like, I was in junior high and high school and stuff. I was, like, uh, vice president or president of my school and class. And uh, in, like, fifth grade, when, like, you run for that stuff, too, I was selected as my team to run for, like, vice president and president and stuff. So uh, I guess I was given that, yeah, that stuff, responsibility. So then, so then when Casey, I'm going to delve into this because obviously... I I know you mm-hmm. a little better, I'd like to think. <laughs> than most of your other guys. I would like to think that, actually. <laughs> I would like to think you know me better than uh, some of the other people we've talked to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so getting confidence for being a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. Getting You got confidence for being, using your words, mm-hmm. quote unquote, a good boy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then what happens... When you're, well, I'll ask you this. What's a, if, if, what's a bad boy? What is a, what does a bad boy look like? 
<laughs> right. Um, I mean, depending on what point in my life we're asking, like as a kid, like I don't know, well, dealer's <laughs> choice. I mean, I remember uh, as a kid uh, on the school playground finding like a um, uh, like a a, po- a little button that had poison on it, the band poison, oh, yeah. with all the guys with like their hair all big up and yeah. over. And I was like, whoa, whoever has this button is a bad dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, smoking cigarettes and listening to Poison, that dude's bad. Um, uh, like, currently or growing well, up? Well, I guess or... I wonder, like, if we're talking about confidence, like, being a good boy is subjective, right? It's relative. Sure. Yeah. What one person sees as a good boy is not what another person sees as a good boy. Yeah. So, so then what happens to your confidence when someone thinks that you're not a good boy, do you, does it go down? Are you, are you self-assured and right. like, I don't yeah, know. No, I think you're right. I think like, I think I'd probably beat myself up about like when I would get in trouble or when I would do something that I would like beat myself up for like, what, what made me do that? Why was I acting that way? What made mm. me do that thing? And I guess maybe it comes back to my original definition of confidence, which is like, it's an internal thing, um, being true to yourself. Whereas being a good boy is an external thing right. of like making other people see you in a certain yes. way. Um, so I think, yeah, there, there's conflict. There's been conflict in that throughout my life. So how, how, have, when did you start like thinking about this good boy versus um, authentic self or you said your, you said like that your true essence being close to your true essence. Mm-hmm. Um, when did that, shift like when did you start thinking like oh me being a good boy doesn't oh gosh how am I trying to word this it's not I can't think of how what I'm trying to say <laughs> like you're trying to get to like a deeper relationship question and trying to frame it in a uh, self-confidence question so it's hard to work what, the, what do you mean language. a deeper relationship question <laughs> like how, do I, how can I ask a question? No, you... <laughs> no. Uh, this is not for myself. I'm not trying to do this for the benefit of myself. I'm truly wondering, like, was there a point? Did something happen when you were like, oh, I thought I was being a good boy, right? Mm. But this person did not think that. Mm. Or they, this person wants me to be a good boy and do this, but I don't feel like that's what I want to do. Like, right. was there a moment where you had to rectify those two worlds, the good boy world versus mm-hmm. the true essence, authentic you world? Um, well, I guess, yeah. I mean, I remember there's two things. One in like the idea of like this whole good boy framing that we're, we're using isn't something that I really figured out completely until I started going to therapy. And that mm. was like a thing that I was um, able to like, frame as like oh that is like a thing that I um am looking for and it is yes it has gotten me in trouble when I because it makes me kind of be a people pleaser Mm. and in pleasing others um then there was times when I would um lose myself um or sometimes it was even easier to not have to ask myself my wants desires whatever and instead just know that I have to like uh, make this person across from me feel good or check these boxes to be yeah. this thing. Um, so like an example would be, um, 
back when I was uh, uh, dating people, um, I would have trouble or never even try to connect to my, I mean, if I, if I like someone or someone, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I like this person. Right. But as far as like, um, like on dates, I, I would very much be like, oh, okay, I've like read on the internet that by the third date you have to, well, we should, uh, you know, have sex or we should right. uh, by the, oh, this is the second date. So if I don't kiss this person by the second date, then that means they're going to know that, um, that I don't like them and then it's never uh, going to happen again. And so like, hmm. I would try to do these things not based on my own wants or desires or what felt right in the moment, but on like almost like a checklist of items. And I think that was certainly a problem. That's hard because what happens when you do everything that a good boy does and you still don't get what you wanted? Yeah, well, and then what I eventually learned was, like, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather, in career and in other things, like, I'm not, certainly there's some, I don't want to please a director, I want to, like, do what they ask me to do, but, right. like, um, it would I would be frustrated sometimes, um, and this goes to this dating example, too, but yeah. I'll use the, the work example of, like, if I um, uh, didn't, if I went in an audition for something and got a few takes and never did what I wanted to do, but from the start was doing what I thought they wanted me to do, and then they made adjustments to me, and I never got to the point where I got to do what I wanted to do, I would leave that audition feeling frustrated right. because I never even tried what I wanted to do. Yeah. Whereas if I started with what I wanted to do and then took adjustments, if I didn't get the the part, it wasn't as painful. I wasn't as mad. It didn't frustrate me as much because I showed them what I wanted to do with it. Right. Um, and I think in relationships, similar thing. Like, um, yeah, it would hurt. And the clearest example I have of this was yeah. um, I was terrible at the um, uh, online dating mm. because it was like, to me, like this different thing, like people in their captions would, would be like, uh, some woman would have something that's like, um, uh, I'm not looking for a friend. If you just want to text, like, don't even swipe whichever way you swipe, I think, right. I'll say right. Um, and then someone else would be like, um, you know, and so then I'd be like, okay. So then the next person that swipes right at me, I, I like right away was like, uh, after one nice thing, I'd be like, okay, so do you want to go out like tomorrow? And they'd be like, what a freak, slow down. And then mm -hmm. I, because I wasn't reading what I would actually do in a real conversation. Mm -hmm. I was like d trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Instead of like connecting to like what you want right. or what like, or, yeah. There was like this whole other thing that it was an online dating mechanism that I didn't fully understand or feel comfortable in. So I was like, okay, I have to do what is expected of this online dating mechanism as opposed to mm, being mm. as opposed to being like, oh, I'm talking to this person. I'm liking this conversation. Right. I don't feel comfortable asking them out yet, but this is fun. I'm going to keep talking to them. Oh, now I feel comfortable. Now I will. Right. Um, uh, and so that continued, you know, just like if you use the example of that, I had stuff like that throughout all of my life, you know, yeah. moments of like um, – of, of doing things because I felt like it was the right thing to do in that moment to that person at that time. This person wants me to do this thing, whatever. Um, and then never stopping to be like, is this what I want? And so then sometimes there would be shame or anger or doubt or whatever after if I had never checked into myself or listened to, as to what I actually wanted to do. Where do you think that comes from? The like checking the boxes yeah. and doing the... Um, well, I think a few things like, I think, um, you know, probably was, was built in at a young age of that idea of like, you know, uh, even the smallest things. Like I remember, uh, I was, I was praised for being like a very good and, and quiet and, and good listener in church. And so like when other kids, um, were, uh, like acting out, they would sometimes, uh, like have their 
acting out child like come sit next to me and like look at what like a good boy does at church like oh, you, wow. you sit and you stay quiet and you listen and you you know and mm-hmm. then you um and then up through like even the things that I've achieved and I've wanted it's like a, uh it's goal setting it's um like making small steps to um you know oh if I want this thing then I can't just say like I want you know uh, a s- small example of like oh at the comedy theater I used to perform at being like oh I want to perform on that stage a ton and I was like and I didn't even know that was a thing you could do until, you know, I was uh, well into the program and stuff. But I was like, okay, well, th- I still don't know how to do that. That makes no sense to me. But let me do one thing at a time. Let me just start a team. Okay, let me start doing the thing they do on those th- shows. Okay, let me start my own show. Okay, let me start. And so by seeing small rewards when I goal set and move forward, then it, like, um, helped me to be like, oh, yeah, then just, you know, follow the rules and do mm-hmm. good and, and move forward that way. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that has helped you too. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a balance between checking the boxes and then like being like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do what I want." Yeah, and I think that I think you get in trouble going. At least maybe you don't get in trouble going. But yeah, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I, I feel like you get in trouble going um, too hard in just one of the directions. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I if I was just like fuck society and uh, and you know again there's maybe. They're, sure, there are great artists who just say, fuck rules, fuck society, I'm going to do the exact thing I want, and then they're rewarded greatly, but probably not, at least not during their life. Maybe after they die, we're all like, wow, Bukowski was great or something. But, right. Um, uh, and I've never read anything by Bukowski. But You've <laughs> never read anything? No. no. Oh, my sounds, God. We are opposites. But didn't that sound like a good example that I used? It, like, I was, like, on the edge of my seat. I know. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah. I was like, oh, he's deeper than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I know people who have read him, and, and I thought the example was apt. But, yeah. It, it is. Um, uh, whereas, uh, and then the opposite, as what, what, I was, what I was getting in trouble with, was... Um, uh, never checking in with myself. I mean, it took me a very long time for even big things like to admit that I wanted to be an actor. Mm. And even that took me so many different steps. It took me like, um, and it's silly because like you look at stuff like in first grade, my mom found something where it's like a picture of me with like a stand-up microphone behind a brick wall that I drew. So it's, he can tell it's brick, but you know, it's a first grade drawer. But it's like what I want to be grow up was like a comedian or a baseball player or something mm-hmm. like that. And so I had that and I said it out loud and I drew it in a picture and everything. Um, but then just took me so long after that to ever admit. And it was still even in steps of like, uh, okay, I'll be a, a writer, but I'll write in advertising. Okay, well, now that I'm in that world and I see maybe I can be a TV writer. Okay, and I'd like to actually act, but I'll just tell people I want to be a writer because that's more acceptable in my mind as mm. like a profession in the Midwest where I grew up that like writing is a skill. Acting is for pretty people, you know? And, mm. and I was like, okay, and even that, let me move to Australia to the other side of the world to uh, try this uh, stand-up for the first time so no one will ever know about it. And then, okay, that went okay. All right, now I'll move to L.A. Okay, now that I'm in L.A., all right, now I'll still say I'm a writer. Oh, well, I made more money this year being an actor than a writer. I can finally say I'm an actor, you know? So it's like, you don't want to disappoint people? Yeah, or fail or disappoint myself or... Because, like, what about acting? It it just, what makes it not a good boy activity? I only use that term because we started it and now we're on it. We're on it. 
Um, I hope you title this episode. Good, Good boy. boy. <laughs> I know you hope that, and I'm not going to just because of that, because right. we're trying to work Ooh. past that. Or you call it the bad boy, and then, and then really uh, yeah. Cool. Start walking around with a leather jacket. Um, <laughs> uh, but sorry, my joke threw me. What, what was the question? What makes? Oh, what made acting not feel right. like a good boy? I think. Yeah. Um, like why? Why all these steps? Yeah, it was more like. I think it's like a Midwestern thing, and I maybe say that to mean it's a my family thing, but I think it's true to the Midwest of like, because um, my, my family's pretty welcoming of, of my dreams and aspirations, but um, I think it's just like the, don't be a dick, like don't be a show off. like Oh, don't be a show off. Yeah, like to me like, again, and uh, like growing up in the Midwest, uh, middle class, um, where I did, uh, my parents both being very educated and everything, there was certainly a feeling of like, um, hey, you can do anything you want, but then it felt like to me that it was like within reason. You know, like you can be a doctor, you can be a principal, you can, like you don't have to be the lowest level of a thing, you can be the highest level of a thing, but it wasn't like, it didn't feel like you, like I, you know, if I lived in LA, it would have been easier to be like, oh, I have friends who are actors. My parent, my dad's best friend is a producer. Like there's a, this is a world. But growing up in Minnesota, it felt almost like saying like, I want to, you know, when I grow up, I want to be Mickey Mouse. Right. It almost felt just, like, crazy and, like, who the fuck are you? You can't be Mickey Mouse. Like, you can be... And you cared about that. You weren't like, yeah, I want to be fucking Mickey Mouse. Fuck you. Yeah. You were more like, oh, you don't you don't want me to be Mickey Mouse. All right, I'll, I'll do something else then. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think... I'll... I mean, I think that's very normal right. and very common. And I think also, like, looking, again, because I'm, like, figuring out you know, by looking around and my surroundings and, and checking these boxes of, like, what is acceptable and this and that, like, looking around and being like, oh, none of my friends, even, even like, the friends that I did theater with, like, you know, maybe their dream is to be writers and directors, but they're never going to move out of Minnesota to do it. They might move to Chicago and, like, direct some commercials in Chicago or something would be, like... Uh, the, their, the the dream of their dream, but it feels like to uproot that much to follow a dream feels a little bit like, how dare you? <laughs> um, mm. And and I had that feeling until I worked in an office environment and I just saw people who had jobs for a long time. We had an IT guy. Um, uh, this is the Mall of America. I worked in the marketing department and I moved up there. I started as, like the, as a lightly paid intern, like barely paid intern, and then moved up to an associate position, and then ended up managing a department. And um, and and how I got the job from uh, intern into the associate position was I was just would like go to the happy hours, mm. and I would just like be around. And, and I was like, oh yeah, if, if people like me, then they'll keep. If they I can't get a job here, they'll find me a job somewhere else. Like just being nice and being myself. And so there was a guy who was terrible at his job. He ran our IT department. He was the worst. You'd text him. He like sometimes just wouldn't be in the office all day. He like didn't really know computers all that well. Wow. Um, he was just like this not great at his job, and he never got fired. And he was there the whole time I was there, and probably still still there. Um, and that made all of my dreams achievable because so I was like, oh, like there is a guy who is writing on a TV show right now in Los Angeles who is bad at his job, but who is going to keep getting jobs. Uh, before that, I just knew too much about comedy. And because like, why? Because they're nice people. Yeah, because he got once you get the job, like you just keep getting jobs. Like, right. yeah, you you had he, that guy had a good interview, and then he got it, and he just kept like, oh, you were on that thing, and then you get this thing, and then um, it like it just made everything um, 
not so like to me, I I knew enough about comedy that I like I had read about like uh, the Saturday Night Live writers and the Simpsons writers and the mm. Mr. Show writers and the and it was like all these guys who went to Harvard and then you know um, mostly Harvard and, uh, and and I was like oh well I'm not that I'm not the best writer of all time right. I'm not Bob Odenkirk I'm not whoever and so I didn't realize that there was like thousands of people who were just okay who still had jobs writing mm-hmm. and acting in the world and so then that was like oh okay I can do this. Um, I might not, you know, I might not achieve all my dreams, but I can live a life that is dream related, you know, close to just by being pretty good and being nice and, you know, um, and so that kind of was like, all right, cool. So then that was the first impetus to like try it. But then again, it took me, moved to Australia, lived there for a year and didn't try stand up. And one of the reasons I moved there was to try stand up. (laughs) I didn't try it until like my second to last night in Australia. Wow. Because I'd already had all this pressure because I was like, thought I was going to be good at it. And I thought it was something I could do. Yeah. And then I was like, if I'm, if I bomb at this, then I'm like, I'm kind of already moving to Los Angeles to try this. Right. And then I did an improv class for the first time in Minneapolis before I moved out here. And two of the times I like sat in my car and didn't go in. I just like drove really? up. Really? <laughs> yeah, sat in my I car. I didn't know that. It was like an eight week class, and I I went for like six of them, and two of them I would like pull up, and I was just like, nah, and Why? Like, kept driving, because it mattered too much. I I, I oh, like wow. I decided that this was the thing I was going to be good at. I was like, I am, I am. I thought I was going to be a good improviser, um, but I'd never done it, and so I was like, if I do it and I find out I'm not good, then that'll like dash my right my so then how'd you get over that um well I moved out here and I focused more on stand-up and so then it was just like a a fun thing I was doing on the side I was like trying to I took classes at UCB theater in LA so that um I thought I didn't know how anything worked I thought maybe if I was funny in classes then one of the UCB guys um, would like find out I was funny and book me on a stand-up show at the theater. Sure. Um, <laughs> that's truly what a I, very common that's route. That's truly why I took the thing and wasn't going to sign up for 201. And then I had a real fun 101 class show, and I was like went right home and signed up for 201. And then same thing after 201, I wasn't sure if I was going to sign up for 301. And then had a real fun class show, and then was like signed up for 301. And then by so then, it's just doing the thing. So you just like yeah. kind of just faced. Yeah. The fear of it. For there sure. really wasn't another way to do it. You had a moment where you didn't go in twice, I guess. Yeah. But then you just kept going. So it's almost like perseverance or... Yeah. And I think it's like... And it is like doing the thing, I think. is Yeah. Because that was like... I mean, the reason... The true reason why I like uh, followed improv and not stand-up was um, I just got so much more stage time in those classes. Right. Like uh, the amount of stage time I got from taking 101 to 201, you know, just that alone was more stage time than I got in like two years of doing stand-up out here. Because mm-hmm. I was getting like three-minute sets or five-minute sets, mostly at open mics. Like every, I maybe got like two book shows a year, if even. And those would be like four or five minutes. So I, but in one class, I would, sometimes they'd put you up there. Like our class show in 101 was like 20 to 25 right. minutes right <laughs> you know yeah and it was like oh wow this i haven't so it was just i got just doing it i got to do it so much more yeah um that that's why i followed that thing what have you experienced in your adult life that has shaken your confidence or has shaken your belief in yourself that like maybe you can't do this thing or maybe you don't have the quality for this thing or maybe you're not good enough for this thing. Just like 
-hmm. something is there something memorable that has happened it does not have to be work related it can be relationship related it can be family related friends related i don't want to like put it in a box of like career unless unless you want to well the first thing that came to mind as far as like the when you start talking about like i can't do this thing or i might not be able to do do this thing or whatever that feels career to me like um and the thing that's actually shaken my confidence the most with that stuff is um, getting close, <laughs> like mm. um, like the like the show that I pitched um, with friends. Like we had, you know, uh, we were pitching it with someone who had won a Golden Globe, um, who had already created her own sh- TV show, was a star of her own TV show. Uh, the network wanted to work with her. Um, we had um, our lead was one of the funniest people on television who works all the time and all these different things. The My co-creator has uh, directed his own movie, uh, has you know written on a ton of great shows, has like an amazing resume, and it was like almost not even bought. Mm-hmm. You know, like we only one network was interested in buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's like, wow, when am I going to be able to assemble a collection of talent like this again. Um, and so I'm like, if this can't even get me a show, like, wow, this is yeah. harder. And then when we did get to make a pilot and we got to do um, auditions and we got to read people and we got to have all these great actors come in and audition for us. And um, and then I after that was like, I truly, I walked out of, after we, we did all of the chemistry reads, um, you know, we had like two parts we did chemistry reads with, maybe like 25 people total. <clears throat> and I would say 20 of them did good enough to get the part. Right. You know, and I remember walking out there being like, I don't know if I can be an actor anymore. Yeah. Like, how does anyone ever book anything? Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Um, like everyone's ta- so talented. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Like there's so many. Um, and so like you're just kind of trying to find reasons that someone shouldn't get it instead of being like, oh, that's the person that clearly should get it, you right. know? Um, and so, yeah, so th- that was that was the time most recently when you talked about shaking my confidence of like, yeah. I might not be able to do it. That's what I connected to was like, um, as I've, the more that I've seen, um, but the other thing that I always tell myself is like, um, uh, it only takes one person to see, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the co-creator who has the Golden Globe has the Golden Globe because one other person saw her and was like, you're the shit. I want to make stuff with yeah. you. Um, and now she has a career, you know, right. so uh, a great career. So I think that's the thing in the back of my head. Um, How did you like, what did you do in that moment to reconcile this, like this loss or this, this, your confidence is okay. So your confidence is now shaken. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you could do it. Then now what? What did you do, whether it's right. short-term, to, yeah. like, soothe yourself? Like, whatever, meditation. Yeah. Wh- I don't I mean, yeah. I know, but right. <laughs> I guess I don't really know, actually. Yeah. Like, what do you do short-term to help yourself? And then is there something you do long-term? Like, how do you come out of that? Right. Um, well, that's particular instance, I had the benefit of, like, 
um, still working on a show that we got to like make as a pilot and shoot. And so I still had the thing of like, well, but if I can get this thing to go, then like it goes and then it's great. Um, and so, you know, I guess busying myself in the thing that I'm currently working on is one thing that I'll do. Like, you know, if, if I get afraid of, um, if I get afraid of like, oh, this thing isn't going to do it. I also, I guess now I, I don't try to put too much um, <laughs> this is, this, this pilot is the one example that's different from that. But when I'm like self-creating projects, I try not to put too much pressure on it and instead just be like, um, I had a, an experience that I learned while on mushrooms, uh, which was, um, I was in a sketch group at the time and I was like very focused on like writing the next sketch that's going to get me writing work or the next sketch that's going to go viral or the next whatever. Um, and I remember, uh, on just a little bit of mushrooms at a, at a friend's bachelor party, I, I, I realized I was like, Oh, it's like the way you discover someone may not be the way they want to be discovered. Like, um, people that I've seen in movies and television, in directors, uh, like the, the, my favorite movie of, um, I don't know, actor blank, director blank, um, might have been their eighth thing or might have been something that they were like, sure, I guess I'll be in that dumb thing or whatever. Right. And they had some other passion project that I've never seen or whatever. And so I was like, oh, just like make a bunch of stuff and don't worry so much about this will be the thing that gets me discovered. This will be the thing that breaks me. If I just if I just continue to make things and put things out there, um, eventually I'll have such a, a wealth of things that someone will connect to something and find me and, and use me in that. Also... I'd say you're finding joy in just making the thing. Absolutely, yes. I think a lot of, well, in this podcast, I've discovered that, like, something I want to work on is being more process-oriented and less results-oriented. Yes. My therapist sent me, I've talked about this on multiple episodes, but my, ther- my therapist sent me an article that was, like, seven ways to cultivate confidence. Mm-hmm. And one of them was practicing non-attachment, which is this sort of idea that you're not attached to an, a certain outcome. Right. That that is not your end goal. A certain outcome is not your end goal. You're not doing it for a certain outcome, which is really hard, especially yes. when you're in, well, I think especially when you live in modern society, but also when you're an actor and you're auditioning, it's like, so you're telling me I got to go into this audition just to love the audition and yes. not to get the job? Yeah. And that's like a hard thing to reconcile but I definitely think it's possible. So I feel like when you're speaking of like making stuff so that someone sees it, I think there's also a world in there where you're making stuff because you love to make stuff. Right. Yeah, it is. It is going back to, again, it's like going back to the reason why I moved to LA was to like, like this is the easiest city to make things. Like, uh, you know, being able to work with people who also work in the industry and know the stuff and you, you can get better. But I completely agree. I, that's one thing I've also taken from this podcast is like, and, and, and I still struggle with it. Auditions, I'm trying, like, the new thing that I have um, written somewhere in my in my room is, like, um, make auditions moments for me. Wow, that's um, lovely. Because it's like, okay, I don't, I don't, if I'm trying to get the part, then um, I could even get that part, but the casting director might not remember me ever again because I was doing that part. But if I can just, like, make moments happen and show them like, here's what I can do. Here's me. This is what I would do with these lines, but I can do something like this for something else. Then I think I have a better chance of being like, Oh, you didn't get that part. Or maybe you did get that part, but also I remember you. Um, and if something else comes in that fits that type of thing, then I can bring you in for that thing. Yeah. And it's such like a fine line too, because like 
you don't want to not have the drive and desire to yeah. get work. Like, that's yeah. also probably not going to serve you. I guess maybe. I don't know. But, like, you also don't want to be so attached to the result, the outcome, that you lose sight of, like, why you're doing the thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I have a I, – I'm – I've definitely had a hard time and I'm starting to understand it, but I still don't fully understand the, like, I'm, I am achievement based. I am like, yes, I am. I am. You are. I, I You're set, also a three, which is right. An Enneagram, Enneagram three, three. Uh-huh. Where, like I set goals and I, and I try to achieve yep. those goals and I have a t- con- t- daily to do list, weekly to do list, yeah. monthly to do list. I get these things done. It moves me forward on the things I want to create. It helps me. Uh, and that's from a thing. Uh, I've a few times in my life that I've once it was around high school and I was just like too busy. I was doing like theater and playing sports and doing uh, this and doing that. And I like had so many things to do that sometimes I like, couldn't fall asleep at night. I was just too panicked about like all the stuff I had to do. And I would just like get out a post-it note and I'd be like, and I, back then I would even put like the time. Of, like, okay, let's say I wake up at nine 30 and then let's say I get this homework done in school, in my first two classes, that's done at 11. Then I have this, and then I go to soccer practice, then I'll have play practice, and I would, like, see that I could do it all in a day, mm. and then I was able to fall asleep. Mm. Uh, and then when I worked in event planning at the Mall of America, it was the same thing. I was just, like, so much stuff to do constant. Which one's priority? What's this? And so I started figuring out those to-do lists, and it would help me do my job. And so I've taken that into my life uh, maybe a little bit too much, but I, have, I still have a little bit of hard time wrapping my head around that idea of, like, um, you can be happy and consider yourself a good, successful person, not through achievements. Yeah. And that's like, I, I'm starting to understand that, um, but it does also feel like, okay, I get that, but also, you gotta have you gotta have achievements, right? <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta win a little bit, <laughs> right? Well, I think I think that we're raised in a very like achievement. Yeah. Uh, pat on the back. Mm-hmm good job for doing this thing society and i think it's i think most people feel the exact same way as you do i think maybe i used to i don't know i don't know how achievement i never i never wanted to get something to to earn an achievement or to earn respect or to earn recognition Mm -hmm. I always have been like my biggest competitor like Mm -hmm. and this is a I guess a little bit different a little bit of a tangent but like as long as I can do better than myself Mm -hmm. that's still an achievement you know but it's just like kind of a different thing like I don't really give a shit about awards or like right I don't care I just want to do like the best that I can do and when I don't do the best that I can do then that's when I feel upset yeah um, yeah i'd say like the the, the bad version of me is like i don't really give a shit about awards either well, i guess in theory i guess i don't I, i'm too far away to know if i would actually give a shit um but like the worst version of me is like um externally looking for uh, approval to then mm-hmm. know i did a good job yeah yeah and then i think the other version uh which is more how i think i am more often which is just like uh i'm i'm wanting to achieve these things so that i can have the life i want you know, like, uh, I used to listen to a podcast a lot about, like, um, uh, like someone asked, like, what does success look like to yeah. you? Like, visualize success. What does it visually look yeah. like to you? Yeah, uh, a good question. And to me, it, like, looked like um, a, a nice house 
Oh. And it was like a very nice, like comfortable house, like uh, comfy couches, like uh, open concept, like um, <laughs> nice, like a nice really? shower, like near the ocean or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh, well, that's kind of weird because it's like success to me has nothing to do with my career when I visualize it. Like it's not. Is that still what you think of when you think of success? Yeah. And I think really? because, That's interesting. because when I think of that, like when I think of it's like a nice house, <laughs> it's, I can't express how nice this house is. Uh, <laughs> but when I think of that, that means like if I had that house, then I can travel, then I can, mm. you know. So it's like more symbolic almost. It's not like. Yeah. I guess it's like thinking of it's in some ways it might be thinking of people I n- knew growing up or, or houses I've seen of people who have lives that I know can like, I guess it's really just like comfortability. It's like being comfortable. Like I'm describing mm. a comfortable living space. Yeah. And if I'm comfortable, then I feel like financially comfortable. Then I can also achieve all my dreams, which is like to like travel, to see things, right. to have experiences, to go, take my friends out to dinners, right. to, uh, you know, uh, to have time for me to play basketball, to go swimming, to, you know, like not constantly. It's not to me when I visualize success, it's not like sitting in a director's chair on a big mm-hmm. movie set, like that. I'm also the star in that I wrote, like right. work doesn't even come into place in my vision of success, which is helpful to remember when I'm stressed out about work. That it's like, oh, don't remember that this is a thing that I love to do. And right. there's no better time that I ever have than being on a set working. Um, but this is just the thing I've chosen to do to fill those times and to get the money that will get me to what I want, which is a comfortable life with my so loved ones. You're going to be comfortable. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting because, well, that makes me think, well, that I mean, that's very lovely. But also that makes me think of like, well, how do you grow if you're in constant comfort? Yeah. I guess <laughs> once I get there, I want to grow to that. No, I think I do. Do you know I, what I mean? Yeah, I do think that I would, I would though. I think like, um, it, even in, in a bad example is like, uh, yoga is something that I often be like, I often say like, oh yeah, I think I'll, I will do yoga, but I think I'll like do it like later on in life, mm-hmm. like when I'm older. And, and what I'm thinking of when I say that is like when I'm comfortable and when I have, uh, and I'm not grinding to achieve so much. I'm not like filling my hours by, you know, um, uh, writing and this and that and auditioning and this and that and, and stressing out about this. But instead I'm like, um, and again, it's probably something that like, I'll never actually feel. You can't feel, if I could, I could feel it now as much as I could feel it then. But I, I have this idea of like, as I get older and I'm more comfortable in my career, more comfortable in who I am, more comfortable in what everything, then I will be like, oh great, I'm comfortable. So now let's start growing in those new ways. Like let's start what if you don't get to grow older? What if I just stop? What if life stops for me? Yeah. I then, Would yeah. Would you regret not doing yoga in these no. moments? No, not yoga. Would, but, but there might you be know other, what I mean? There might be other things, I'm just yeah. using that as a specific because right. yeah. that's what you just said. Right. If we're so busy trying to achieve, mm-hmm. trying to get to a place, mm-hmm. but we, I mean, life is so short and precious and obviously I'm in a very specific mindset right now, but I think it's very valid. Yeah. Um, then you missed all the moments that you could have done the thing. Yeah. No, you know? I, I agree. I had a, uh, a, a pretty big shift. Um, cause I was, there was a time where, uh, you know, I keep a pretty, uh, clear calendar on my schedule, on my, um, laptop and you could, there were times like six years ago or so when I decided like, I'm going to get rid of like 70% of this stuff. Like I used to be so busy and it was, it was 
achievement-based. It was like, you know, um, and part of it was I needed to do that many things to make enough money so that then I could live a comfortable life. Um, but it was, um, you know, like basically full from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., just like constantly either teaching or doing a practice group or performing or, um, and I had to, and I, and this also connects to you in a way of that, like, um, I had to be like, well, I'm also lonely and I mm. want to be with someone. I want to create a life with someone. I want to um, be in a relationship that even saying that out loud was a thing that took me like a while. Because again, like if I say things that I want and then I'm not doing them or I'm not achieving them, then I am not achieving them, which as a, an achiever who likes to like mm-hmm. do things is hard. So it took me a long time to actually say like, I want to be in a relationship. Uh, and then I was like, okay, well then let's look at what my life currently is. Is this a, is this a life that someone could, that I could like s- create a life with, or is this a life that someone would have to join me with? And it was like join me with, it wasn't a uh, create one with me. Mm. And, um, and so I was like, okay, then I need to get rid of a lot of this stuff. And I also started to notice like what things are helping me and what things aren't. And the big one I found was I was performing comedy. I was performing improv probably, maybe I would say about eight times a week at that time. And I was like, okay, in six to seven of these times, I would say I'm no longer learning. I think there was a time when I needed this and I was learning and I was, but I think now I'm just showing what I've learned. Um, and that's not really helping me as much. Um, it's something that feels good. It feels good to get people to laugh at me. It feels right. good to, um, to see friends. It feels good to, especially by doing it for, at that point, you know, six, seven, eight years, to be considered someone who's on a top of whatever thing that is in an improv, you right. know, community or whatever. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not learning now. I'm just kind of showing what I've learned. And so let me say no to all those opportunities to perform except for, you know, the one or two a week that... I am still learning and it, and it is maybe helping me in different ways. And then I had to have like a bunch of nights where I was just alone. You know, I was living by myself. And rather than, than just going out and, and getting validation from strangers laughing at me, I was just like lonely. And by being lonely, I was like, okay, I want to fill this time with like, this is how I want to, um, this is how I want to get a relationship. This is what I want to do with this time. And so, and so that's kind of like what I started to do. And, you know, obviously um, I was going to say <laughs> some failed attempts, but that's yeah, not true. I dated people that didn't work out. They're still great people and, um, and this and that, but then to eventually, um, you know, find you and you also being someone who was very much, maybe also, maybe I'm giving myself the credit for learning a little bit of like the, it was probably more you learn teaching me the thing of like, you have to create a life together. You can't just like have you join my life. Mm. We need to, um, figure out a way that, we're both getting things out of this and we're both there for each other. And it's not, you're just, um, there when I am not performing or whatever. Right. Um, and so, and yeah, and I don't even remember how this all started, <laughs> but that's okay. That's the beauty of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I remember when we first started dating you, I love to t- tell this story. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. you said, and I can't remember if it was two times a week or three. I Three sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. You told me you could only hang out three times a week. Like, yeah. you let let me know. So good. Pretty so straight polite. away. Being so open, good. So polite. Being open. Being honest yeah. from the beginning. That's a pretty hard boundary to set. Yeah. Uh, and you told me we could only hang out three times a week. And so I was like, okay. 
was that Owen said, I'm looking for or something like that? I don't know yeah. what you said, but it was something. No, but yeah. you definitely said that <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. yeah. this yeah. is the amount of time that I have to give yes. three times a week yes. and take it or yes. leave it. And I was like, okay, dude, uh, that's fine, whatever. And in my head, I was like, <laughs> he has no idea yeah. that he is about, I mean. <laughs> the next week, I was like, you want to hang out? I'm, you're like, no, oh, they're, they're, we've already reached our limit of three. Yeah, see, it was like. The next week. Yeah, like, you were like, you want to hang out? And it, it was like the fourth time in a week. Yeah. And you asked me. And I already knew that was going to happen. Right. Because, you know, when you're dating and you like each other. Yeah. You want to hang out, right. and so you were, and it was the fourth time, and I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You told me we could only hang out three times, and this would be the fourth, buddy. I'm sorry. Catch you next week. Yeah, she did that a couple times. And yeah. then I don't know what went through Eventually, your head I at had that to point. Say, okay, all right. I thought I was thought that was a good thing for me to tell you how I was feeling, but you're right. I was setting a strict boundary. And... It was a good thing that you were telling me how yeah. you were feeling, but you know. But I wanted more. Yeah, things it. things change. I think yeah. that's I think that's also something that I've learned about this podcast is like these episodes are moments in time, mm-hmm. right? This is how you feel today, whatever day it is, Saturday, some day in December. <laughs> yeah. um, but that can shift and change. And like, I don't know. I think that there's something lovely about that, about yeah. the ability to what you value changes. Yeah. Um, For sure. Yeah. I mean, Yes, absolutely. Like my, and again, like, because um, back when I was filling my my days, it was about staying busy. It was, and then like when I was allowed to, when I was allowing myself to um, sit with myself, it was something I hadn't done for a while. And so then it was like having to f- ask those questions of like, and I try to do this now yearly. It doesn't always have to be like at the end of the year, although most people use New Year's as a good time to do it. But just that thing of sitting down and being like, uh, are my wants still the same? Yeah. You know, like is, and, cause sometimes you can find yourself like grinding so hard for something and then you see it and you're like, Oh, that's not even what I want. Right. You know, or like even with you, like wanting to, you know, uh, have this relationship where we can do so much and seeing some people I know who are successful actors and, um, are all over the world, um, you know, and never seeing their, spouse for very long periods of time or uh you know there's the small percentage of people that get like a a sitcom that shoots in LA that they work drive from home and go to the studio and come back and like you know that's a very very small percentage of actors um compared to the people that are like oh I'm in um Turkey for a little while and blah blah blah. and so that's another thing of like okay well now I, I value you know our relationship so much that it's like well is acting the thing I want to do? If it, you know, is there is there a way to make? It? And, I, and I'm at the point where I'm like, yeah, I think so. I think we can make it work. But if it ever was like, yeah, I don't think this is serving. You know, again, it's the, that when I close my eyes and picture success, it's not on a set acting as much as that is my favorite thing to do. So, um, if it ends up making other parts of my life harder to navigate, then I have to go like, okay, well, what else? You know, like yeah. like today I I was telling you earlier I worked on a on a, 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 a shoot, <laughs> I won't say anything about it because my point of it was like, it wasn't the fanciest shoot in the world. It wasn't, um, it was still union because I don't work non-union. You gotta, <laughs> gotta respect sag after. Uh, uh, need that health care, please. Um, but, uh, but it was like, everyone was taking their jobs seriously, but it wasn't like 
panicked. It wasn't, it's like a thing they do. It's like yeah. their job that they make money for and then they go to their families. And, right. And, and I, to be on a set like that was different than some of the like movie and TV sets that I've been on where it's like everyone's stressed and everyone's been, the director has been, you know, pre-production for three months, now shooting for two months, and there's been all these problems and this and that. And everyone's, God, we just got to wrap so we can get this done, and then mm. we can, we'll sleep in two months from now. Right now, we're getting four hours of sleep every night. And yeah, that sounds like a results-oriented instead of a process-oriented yeah. way of yeah, and so shooting. Like, oh, okay, maybe I can round the edges of some of my dreams and, like, okay, you know. Um, well, that's a lovely phrase. Yeah. I think the, the, more, the more I live in L.A., the more that's the thing that I, I recognize. I was like talking about another time when I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. And then it was like when I was doing improv and I kind of just made this rule in my mind where I was like, I think if you're like one of the 50th best. 50th? 50th best. 50th yeah. best. If you're one of the 50th best at anything, you can make money off it. Hmm. I was like, you'll be able to like teach it or you'll be able right. to. Like even if it's like all of a sudden you're the 50th best like pickleball player which is a thing that's on my head now because it's in the um, new L.A. sanctions. But um, Can you play it? You can play pickleball, Great. yes. Uh, like if, even if, like if you were living in Toledo and then you were like, hey, I'm starting a pickleball studio because I'm great at it, I think you'd be able to make money off it. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like... Yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that. So I was like, all right, I don't know if I'm like the 50th best improviser in the world, but I think I... I think at that time I was like, I think I am. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, I was nice enough to give, uh, not, you know, top 50. That felt logical to me. Um, so I was like, so I was like, okay, I can, I can always make a living off this if I need to. This yeah. is the thing that I can. And I just like try to find more things and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can. Cause what I want, like, again, I, I want to create, I want to right. work with people. I want to make stuff. Um, and I'm not as strict as I maybe once was of like when I, knew of only two comedy jobs and one of them was Saturday Night Live and it was like that's mm. the thing you have to get and it's like mm -hmm. no you don't there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people who make good money working in comedy who have never stepped foot on Saturday right. Night Live you know like so yeah I think also this year of uh of garbage of <laughs> of trash I, what I was gonna say is isolation but what yeah. I really mean is like just a fucking what do they say Gar like when you light a garbage on fire garbage fire <laughs> I love how you need the description of it my when brain you, is yeah. I, I, <laughs> what do they call it when you like garbage when on you fire? light a garbage on fire <laughs> yeah. a garbage, garbage fire, fire. <laughs> yep that's it that's the one <laughs> Um, That's so much more funnier to know like more words and specifics to describe the thing use perfectly. It in your, use it in the thing I we're writing. That, yeah. um, what was I saying? Oh, oh yes. This this year of isolation and uh, loneliness and loss. I mean, there has been loss on an exponential scale. Not just loss of human life, but loss of careers and loss mm -hmm. of ways of living and loss of... Businesses. Businesses. Loss of... Um, like routines routines and time mm -hmm. and friendship mm -hmm. and relationships mm -hmm. and community mm -hmm. loss of community is was hu is huge yeah. and, and people are like do the zoom and i'm like i mean i don't know like <laughs> yeah. i'm a very like physical person so yeah. it's not to me it's not the same but like it has really caused everybody to go inward and really figure out what do we value? What, what as an individual do I value and how do I want to live my life to 
like bathe in those values. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, when everything gets when everything gets stripped away. Um, yeah. I think everyone, you know, depending on how much money you have, it was maybe less much time or less time until you figured out a way to to live pretty similar life. But uh, the longer, like the amount of time, just having everything taken away for even some people it was a month, some people it's six months, some yeah. people it's still happening. Um, it really does make you go like, okay, well now I feel shitty what why right is it is it because i'm not busy is it because yeah. i miss my friends is it yeah. because i miss my job is it because i don't have money is it because right. um and when you sit with that and then you go like okay well and again therapy's helped me with like um okay the things that i need and now i know the things i need and then when i get into a a negative headspace i now know how i can do some of those things that I need to get myself out of that headspace. Right. Um, and that's certainly valuable. If I wouldn't have had therapy before that, that, this would have been a much harder time. Oh, yeah. Completely. And I feel like... I mean, I guess I... I you know, I obviously I want to create and I want to make money from creating. But I value... I don't want to put into the universe that I don't value money. Universe, I value money. Um, <laughs> universe. You got to talk like that for the Universe, <laughs> I value money. Um, I listen to all my podcasts uh, at like times two speeds. So that'll be fun to hear. Oh, that'll be fun. I'm really excited. Like, Mark it. We're you, at like universe. an hour. Exactly. So <laughs> okay. mark that. Um, I just want to spend time making moments and making art with people that I love. That's like what I want. I think my value I think one of my values is being a storyteller and being able to connect to people or at least that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um and that makes me so happy. It makes me so I'm going to cry now. <laughs> that's my like my passion, what I, like, feel like I'm here for is to, like, connect with you and to tell your story and to tell my story. And, like, I don't know. It's not these, like, big achievements for me any anymore. Maybe it, it was at one point. It's these, like, it's, like, this moment. It's this moment now recording this podcast with you and listening to you open up. It's just these tiny little moments. And, and I'm going to try to live whatever life I'm given living in those moments instead of, I don't know, trying to achieve things that I'm not sure would give me the same joy and love that I feel with these little moments. So That's beautiful. And I think that that's what this, I think podcast is such a successful thing for. I think like every time I listen to something, every time I listen to one of these episodes, there's something that I take, whether it is like a, you know, put it in my back pocket, like rule. Like I, remember, yeah. I still remember Betsy talking about like, um, uh, it's not, I should, it's, I want. So yeah. if I want to do something, then I'll do it. it not c- quit kicking myself. I should write. I should write. Well, you don't want to write. Do right. you want to write? If so, go write. Yeah. Um, but then also just like, it's hearing people's stories. It's hearing you connect with people. It's yeah. hearing, you know, um, you and Oscar's conversation, you and Lou's conversation, yeah. like so many things that I, I still think of. And I think that if that's what you want, you are 
on that path. But and, and you're going to remember those moments. Yeah. You know, you're going to remember those things and it's going to impact you in a way that you treat people differently. And then that's going to impact the people they treat. And like, you know, life is stupid and kind of meaningless. But if you can find those like small moments of connectivity, I don't know, maybe that's worth something. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm going to, I didn't write down as much as I normally do because I was so present in yeah. this conversation because you're sitting across from me versus normally <laughs> right. or on Zoom or whatever, yeah. Skype. Um, I feel like I gave much different answers than the first time we did this last Because I remember, I think you were also more at that time trying to figure out what the questions were. Yeah. So it was more like sticking to It was to very structured. Questions. Yeah. It was a lot more structured. I remember thanking my dad for telling me that he liked me in something or, <laughs> uh, really? or one of my boosts of confidence was like, um, my dad saw me in a play that was terrible. It was like, well, not terrible. I should, my sister might, or she will listen to this. And she, chore- <laughs> she choreographed the play. But to be fair to her, she had to teach like 120 kids how to tap dance in, yeah. in like three weeks what or something. What show is this? It's called Babes in Arms. Oh, okay. It's a tap dance number. And the director just like casts as many kids as possible in the community yeah. to, uh, uh, to like get money probably for ticket sales. And um, so it was like all of us learning how to tap dance over truly less than a month, which is crazy to do and we did a bunch of huge tap dance numbers so it's like a lot of loud bad tap dance yeah and so my dad came to one probably just one and then i was like what'd you think or something and he like was like well i'll tell you what he's like i i love i like i like you didn't say love you so he said i think you're great but like i always think you're great he's like but when i look around and i see when you come on stage the everyone else in the audience like lights up and they all like get excited that you're back on stage and they're excited to see you that makes me feel good yeah i mean you touched those people's lives with your bad tap dancing yeah mine was i think mine was pretty good actually <laughs> no I think, but i do yeah. i do really I mean that yeah. um yeah and it's just a little moment yeah that's why i'm like really hammering home this little moment thing because it's definitely a new revelation for me um okay my last question and then i'll wrap it up is um just more of like a practical pragmatic mm-hmm. question can you give like do you have any advice for someone who's looking to build confidence or to build self-esteem in their life something that they can do or say or do you have a mantra that you do or like just any any sort of advice that you could give or that you were given by someone else that you want to impart well I think you know going back to like what it is is it's like a true connection of yourself a true connection of your essence it's a it's a you know doing what you want to do at the core of confidence so I think sometimes it's like getting back to who you are like mm-hmm. sitting with yourself um, I think the the thing you do that you picked up from one of these episodes that's also very good is like figure out like what your core values are like I think oftentimes like when I get frustrated it's from like um, not not getting something you know like it's usually work related it's usually like a job that I really wanted that I like didn't get or something um, and uh I think it's uh, the more and more I can just like figure out like, okay, why, like ask myself why questions. Why did I want this job? Oh, well, because um, I thought this job was going to be like the one that finally, it's a cool prestige comedy. Okay. Um, like, why do you want to be on a cool prestige comedy? Yeah. Because uh, I think it'll lead me to more work. Okay. Why? And then like, I can kind of boil down to some of that. And then also I can be like, oh, that's not even true. Like the, the I was depressed for like, six months probably or not depressed but I was bummed for like six months I didn't get this part and then 
I like watched the show and the guy who got it, like, you're never going to remember that guy. Right. And it would have been the same as me. It's not like they would have been like, this guy, give him more part, give him more lines. Let's right. make him a star. It's like, no, it's just someone who did a job and then we completely forget yeah. about and now it leaves nothing. So it's like a perspective uh, change too. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, yeah, the, the, the thing I was, the advice that I remember that, um, uh, from this other podcast that I, that I used to listen to about, um, oh man, he stopped doing it. Now I can't think of what it was called. Um, uh, the, I look it up and we cut this out and I look it up. And what, with the one that you always use, The Need to Fail? The Need to Fail, right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that's right. Uh, Don Finelli does a podcast called The Need to Fail and it's talking about failure. And he's like, one of his guests who also listened to the show was like, I hear people come on here and they talk about failures. He's like, and I don't think they're actually failures. I think it's just they didn't get something they wanted. Mm, wow, that's big. And, and I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Like, um, when I'm mad or bummed or whatever it's because i didn't get something that i wanted uh and that doesn't mean that it's a failure um you know and so and so I, if i can reframe that and if i'm but it's ultimately yeah it's like it's talking to myself it's figuring out why i'm mad what i need and then the best thing i the for me personally i'm a social person so it's like go hang out with friends right when i hang out with friends I'll eventually at some point end up talking about the thing i'm bummed about but it'll be five percent of our overall hang and then i'll have a great time and I'll also get to talk about the thing that feels shitty. Um, I, I walk our dog, I listen to music, I listen to podcasts, that all that stuff can help me as well. Uh, I think those are some tips. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to recap this. Um, some of these are pretty repetitive, but let's, let's give it a go. Casey's tips for confidence, not caring about what others think, being the closest you can to your true essence, trusting your gut, persevere, just do the thing. Work on another project, make stuff, um, go back to what you love, enjoy the process, organize your thoughts and your priorities. I think that one's really big um, because when you have a bunch going on, you can't, you, you maybe give them equal weight or not the correct weight. So like organizing your thoughts and your priorities, I think is a really good takeaway. Um, remember to prioritize learning and growth over just like um, validation. Sit with yourself without validation from others. And then I wrote again, sit with yourself. <laughs> uh, it's not actually failure. You just didn't get something you wanted. And being able to reframe thoughts like that. Right. And then the only one I would add is therapy. Because yeah. that's one therapy. that I know has come up in all your episodes. And I, and I yep. talked about it as well being like, and again, um, I, I'm a big proponent of therapy. But if not, it's like, talking to someone like thoughts spinning in your head is if, if that continues to happen it's like i'd say talk to professional but at least talk to someone yeah cause like spinning thoughts can it's so hard to move past them yeah they it can drag absolutely. you down for years yeah absolutely well thanks so much for uh sitting here with me thanks for doing this on one of the three days that i let you hang out with me <laughs> <laughs> no now you're stuck with yeah, it yeah that's nice i like that uh I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence, whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through. Leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. 
Thanks again.